This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. There's exactly a week to go before the Ontario elections. The Tories have, at long last, released their plan for the people. It spells out PC promises on everything from beer and wine in corner stores to cheaper gas and tax cuts for the middle class. There's a price tag beside each item, but no reckoning on the other side of the ledger to show exactly where the money is coming from and what the deficit will look like, which is why this release has not stemmed some of that criticism. Today, the Ontario Nurses Association came out with an open letter to Doug Ford demanding more details. And as Bob mentioned, an independent economist says that actually the Conservatives would have the largest deficit. Of course, all of this comes amid a new poll that shows the PCs ahead by a margin, which would give them a majority government. So while we discuss all these things, I'd like to know that in this last week, especially if you are undecided, what are you looking at and what is going to make up your mind? Is it uh, an exact reckoning of the numbers? Is it the nature of the candidates that are running alongside the leader? What is it and what do you make of these latest developments? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now we go to Lisa McLeod, the PC MPP for Nepean Carlton candidate there, and as Bob mentioned, a likely cabinet minister should her party get in. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm good. Hitting the doors today, so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'll I'll bet you're hitting a lot of doors lately. Uh, Lisa, uh, Doug Ford keeps saying when he's pressed on this issue of where the money's coming from that, that really you can't say because you don't understand the nature of the books, but a a lot of people just feel that that's not good enough. What do you say to them? Well, it's the truth. And, and, And I'll tell you, as a former finance critic and Treasury Board critic in the last parliament, um, I worked a- alongside the auditor and the financial accountability officer, and each of them have said that the Liberals dis- you know, said they were going to balance their budget, then they had to admit it was a $6 billion deficit, and then there's an $11 billion deficit. Um, the-, the NDP were caught in that trap as well. They have a $7 billion hole in their, in their projections. So we've been pretty honest, uh, putting forward modest uh, promises that we believe we can deliver on um, within the existing structure uh, of the budget. And we're going to make sure that we, we do what the auditor and the financial accountability officer have said, which is uh, take a look at the numbers and find efficiencies. And so, you know, the auditor herself said in December, in just 15 government programs, there was a billion dollars uh, that could be saved um, because of, of scandal and mismanagement. So those, those are the areas where we're going to start. Uh, but we've been pretty clear, and it's been an exciting campaign, being able to roll out uh, promises each day of the campaign, not just one big uh, commitment at the beginning. And, uh, you know, so I, I kind of like it. it rem- it's reminiscent of the 2006 federal election when Stephen Harper formed a government by coming out early every day, 
uh, with, with commitments that, that could be achievable for the people of Ontario. And that's what we've done with our plan for the people. Well, I mean, actually, every other party keeps making uh, new announcements every day. But again, if, if you are going with uh, the auditor's assessment of an $11 billion deficit, couldn't you just proceed based on that? Well, I mean, let's let's take a look. The Liberals are rejecting the auditor's numbers. The auditor has her own. I think what's been prudent is Doug Ford and the Ontario PC team have said, uh, when we form a government, we will get a, an accurate read of the books. Uh, we will bring in an outside audit firm to go through a line by line where the where the finances are in the province and where efficiencies can be met without uh, without any job losses. Uh, we'll do that. And so he was pretty clear about that. Um, I think rather than make commitments on on numbers where we don't know accurately what they are, uh, would be imprudent. And that has what that's what caught Andrea Horvath uh, in her. Um, in her budget, um, but uh, sorry, in her uh, platform, but it's also hurt the Liberals. I mean, you can't trust anything they say. I mean, they they um, they said they were a balance. They said then they had a six billion dollar deficit, and now it appears it's eleven billion dollars. So I think uh, it's very unclear, and it would be very difficult to have a set of uh, numbers out there when you don't know what the accurate. Um, um, books are uh, in the province of Ontario. So I think uh, we've been pretty clear, and uh, I guess the, the big issue that I'm getting at the doors isn't isn't about a cost of platform, and I haven't heard it once. It's mostly about these uh, candidates that Andrea Horvath has that are sort of extreme and radical and want to shut down mining, want to shut down highways, want to shut down forestry um, extraction. So so that's what's coming up now. I, I just, big fear yeah, I just have a couple more questions on, on this uh, platform thing. So uh, first of all, the, la- the last time I spoke to Doug, uh, he was saying, okay, we're not going to be in balance in the first year. Uh, today, uh, we just heard him say, uh, we plan to balance in the third or the fourth year. So uh, isn't that an issue that that you don't even uh, you don't seem to have a path to balance? Well, we do have a path to balance. Let's be clear. He said three, three and four uh, the years it will be done in the mandate. Um, again, it goes right back to the books. If if the auditor general's numbers are accurate, um, which I believe they probably are, then you're going to have to figure out how to how to deal with the structural deficit that's been left by the Liberal Party. Um, the Liberals haven't been quite honest with us so that so that's that's an issue i think we are the only party though that is committed uh, to getting back to balance and uh, and that is certainly something that i believe in it's something vic fidelia another former finance uh, critic has, has said and and i know from the team around us that that's certainly within um our our hopes and that is w- what will be in our agenda but again getting back to our our commitments that we've made in terms of putting more money in people's pockets and making life more affordable um, after 15 years of Liberal government. Um, they're just modest uh, commitments that we believe we can achieve um, under an existing framework while getting back to balance toward the end of the mandate. Okay, I, I just want to um, highlight one thing. I'm sure you're aware uh, the Registered Nurses Association came out with an open letter. Sorry, it's the Ontario Nurses Association. And what they say is, uh, because health care amounts to 42%, and due to the absence of details, they believe that uh, that your plan would result in a two and a half billion dollar cut from health care spending. And that's twenty five thousand nurses. Just how do you respond to that? 
Well, that's not true. That's fear-mongering, and, and it's a lie. At the end of the day, Doug Ford has made a commitment that health care spending um, is a priority. Uh, he said we're going to have a historic investment in mental health, which is $1.9 billion, and we have said we are going to invest in long-term care beds. That doesn't sound like taking money out of health care. That, to me, says we're spending more money. So, look, these types of letters um, always come out the last week of the campaign when an organization supports one particular party over another or an ideology over another. Uh, but I think it's false, and it's, it's certainly not true. And, and, and I can tell you, having spent a lot of time with Doug on the campaign trail, um, his commitment to health care is, is refreshing for a conservative leader. And he's brought in uh, Dr. Ruben Devlin, who is um, one, one of the most noted former CEOs of a hospital in the province of Ontario. And uh, he has been assembling a group of people, um, if, we're, if we're fortunate and, and honoured to take the, and, and the privilege of uh, governing this province. He is going to assemble a team of the, the best healthcare experts across Canada and throughout the world to make sure our system here in the province of Ontario is the envy of the world. And that has been one of the, one of the exciting things of this campaign is uh, for too long, um, conservative uh, leadership or conservative campaigns have shied away from talking about health care. Uh, we're talking about health care each and every day at the doors, and we're very proud of it. Uh, but again, these are all types of things that you never hear when you're door knocking, but you hear from the, the, the political elite types um, in downtown Toronto who think that they control um, the election. So I think it's been, a, it's been a fabulous campaign, and we have, I think, very strong health care credentials, and my colleague Christine Elliott uh, is probably the most capable person I know in the health care field um, to, to, to talk about this in the political context, and, and you know, she's running again for us this time, and she'll be an MPP. Uh, yeah, and uh, I would guess uh, possibly a health minister. Uh, we had her in for debate on Friday, uh, and it was uh, it was uh, nice. But she and the NDP health critic, uh, I'd say they they violently agreed on a lot of things. Well, you know something? It's because they're good friends. Franz Shelina and and, and uh, Christine Elliott have worked uh, side by side on many different things throughout the years. Um, and and again, I think. Uh, what happens in healthcare is is that uh, most of us do agree with, you know, when we're patients, um, when we're when we have a, a loved one that is ill. Uh, we we certainly support our nurses and our doctors, and I think that any political rhetoric to suggest otherwise is is just fear mongering. And I think again, we have uh, somebody very qualified uh, on the political side that has a lot of time and, and effort. Spent in, in, as a patient ombudsman, but even before that, as our health critic, um, talking about these issues. So it's, it's really refreshing. It's, now, it's, a, it's a fun it, campaign. It's it's very interesting because uh, here on this show, I have to say, I hear very few people. The odd person who wants to support the Liberals, but a lot of people want to support the Progressive Conservatives, a lot of people who want to support the NDP. And what I kind of hear around is that the reservations that people have, it's its interesting. There, I, I run into, and perhaps it's because I'm in Toronto, a lot of people who have reservations about your leader, Doug Ford. And on the other side, a lot of people who really like Andrea Horvath, but have a lot of reservations about her team. So I'm sure that comes up for you in Ottawa as well. You know, what do you tell people who bring that up? Well, look, I, I think it's refreshing. I grew up in the Maritime, so grassroots t- 
uh, style politicians was what I was used to. And the fact that Doug Ford is so approachable um, and and he is so engaging when he's at these rallies where he's getting like a thousand, twelve hundred people every night. And uh, people that number really is diminishing, ready. though, isn't it? He's, the I crowds don't think are. So. We're, we're we're having him here on on Saturday, and uh, and I, we're expecting a thousand people. I mean, it's it's he's so engaging, and there and people are really re- they resonate with him because. He doesn't use a $10 word when a buck would suffice. He speaks the language of, of everyday people, and, and they feel refreshed. On the other hand, I am starting to get at the doors a lot of concern about Andrea Horvath and some of the more radical right-wing uh, extremists, uh, left-wing extremists uh, that, uh, that she's got as candidates. I think one was arrested multiple times, and that was divulged today. Uh, racial slurs toward the Toronto um, police chief. Certainly um, in my community, my husband was former military, my dad... Um, my grandfather, my great-grandfather all served. Um, I'm hearing a lot about the anti-poppy Hitler memes, that sort of stuff. And Andrea Horvath hasn't tried to at all distance herself from uh, some of these candidates. In fact, she said uh, quite the opposite when she suggested that they were all in consideration for a cabinet position. So I think people are starting to look really long and hard at uh, at Andrea Horvath's team compared to the one that Doug Ford is is rolling out. Um, and, and, you know, this past Monday, Doug had myself and Christine Elliott, Caroline Mulroney and Vic Fidelli um, out just sort of on bail uh, what our, our government will look like and, and, and who uh, will be um, helping him uh, make the decisions on a day-to-day basis. So I think we have a very strong team with people like Todd Smith and Steve Clark, um, Laurie Scott, many people that are very well known in, in, in the province of Ontario and very capable people uh, that will assist Doug uh, in very, various capacities um, if we are given that honour of forming a government um, a week from today. I'm going to give the numbers out again because uh, I really like would like to hear from our listeners on what they're looking at in this last week of the campaign. We do hear from a lot of people who've made up their minds, but uh, still, you know, uh, apparently this election is going to be decided by some 10% of swing voters. We have an awful lot of people who are going to be voting for parties that they don't usually support because the issue seems to be change. Uh, I know that I checked in with the woman in Ottawa, Erin Kelly, with the artificial intelligence computer, and at Polly, her name is, the computer. She's not ready to make a prediction yet. So the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We do have Lisa McLeod for a few more minutes. Uh, let's go to Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Uh, good afternoon. Um Mr. Ford was elected in March the 11th. That's only a couple of months ago. Wynne and Orvath have had four years to prepare, to prepare their platform. And when Mr. Brown was in, he got his platform out November the 29th because I received it that day. So that platform was out. So my question would be, when did Wynne and Orvath uh, release their platform? Because Mr. Brown sent his out November the 29th last year. Uh, I I don't know exactly when they did, but uh, presumably uh, the, the it's not wasn't Mr. Brown's personal platform. It was passed at a very large party convention, and and maybe Lisa has something to say about that. There was a platform, and the new leader decided not to go with it. But it was a a platform passed by a majority, was it not? Yeah, 
so that was uh, our policy decisions and uh, the planks, but it was uh, they're, they're under the previous leader, there was a platform, um, but the policy planks were voted on by the uh, um, by the delegates. Um, but the in terms of uh, the Liberals, uh, effectively their last budget was their platform, so uh, that would have been in you know late March, early April, and I'm not sure when uh, Andrea Horvath put hers out, uh, but I think uh, the point is is very well taken that. Uh, we did have some challenges in the party, and we have a new leader. And in a very short order, he's been able to um, to identify the priorities of the the, the, uh, the of the party uh, in particular, because it was unanimous that all of the uh, all of the leadership candidates uh, refused to support a carbon tax that was predicated by of the of the previous platform. So uh, we actually have more people voting in this leadership than ever before, and. They said no to a carbon tax, but Kathleen Wynne and Andrea Horvath have said yes. In fact, one of Andrea Horvath's uh, candidates wants a 35 cents a liter uh, carbon tax on your cars. He also wants to get rid of uh, highways and put in bike lanes instead. So those aren't necessarily feasible. But what Doug has accomplished in a very short order and period of time, I don't think is uh, is outstanding. And in fact, I, I believe, and I can say this because this is my fifth election, I, I believe that he has actually assembled the strongest campaign team um, in the in the entire time that I have been elected, and it's a pleasure to work with uh, them on a day to day basis. And uh, they came together very quickly, and I think what they've done is quite remarkable. And, and it's all been done under his leadership. So thanks, Jim, for yeah, the question. Well, uh, okay. that's why I agree with you 100. percent Okay, Jim, thanks for that. Let's go to Alex in Curtis. Hello, Alex. Hello. How are you? Fine. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. So I, I want to make a uh, pointed question here uh, with, with regards to. The recent uh, roundtable discussion you had with uh, uh, four, three or four female uh, members of your party that are opting to be uh, are running in the campaign. Uh, what are you referring to? The debate or some? Yes, some... the debate. That was uh, no, no, not the debate. It would be the the recent. Uh, I, I call it a roundtable. Perhaps it's a, not the right term. Where the Mulroney lady, um, Christine Elliott, a few other females were. Uh, Presented with Rob Ford at a roundtable discussion. Is that recently it was done? Right. It was a ra- yeah. It was a roundtable on Monday, and uh, there were um, several females, of course, and and uh, some of my male colleagues as well. Okay. What I take exception to, though, prior you were uh, when you were doing your introduction, you commented a lot about this is a lie and that's a lie. The word lie came out several times in your uh, discussion. Um, I just want a, a truthful answer. Yes, no. Uh, with regards to why was it, why why the the females were presented all at once? Why were there no males included? Was it because you're looking for the female vote that is not present at the moment with the statistics that are coming out? Okay, well, Alex, I'm going to let question. Lisa respond. Thanks for your question. Sure, Alex. Well, at, at the uh, at the round table, um, there were a lot of males there, so there was obviously Doug Ford. Uh, Vic Fideli, um, there was uh, Peter Bethlehem Falvey, my colleague Raymond Cho, uh, Michael Parsa was there, um, you know, go, uh, Rod Phillips was there. So it, we had a number of different candidates from across the province. Um, uh, you know, some of, some of us uh, speak, but it was certainly a, a well-represented, um, diverse group of, of uh, candidates, uh, some of whom, have, uh, three of us, 
um, have already been elected, uh, two of my male colleagues and myself, um, and, then, and then a few others. So we have a very diverse and broad campaign team, um, and, and I'm really proud to be serving alongside Christine Elliott again and, of course, Caroline Mulroney. A fun fact, I grew up in a small town called Glasgow, Nova Scotia, and my dad worked on Caroline Mulroney's campaign when he became the leader of the opposition, and Elmer McKay stepped aside. So I've known Caroline since I was about seven years old when I first met her dad, and so I'm really delighted that she is uh, she's one of our candidates. Um, and of course, Christine Elliott and I were elected the same day when she was uh, when she was originally in the Ontario Legislature. So I'm just really happy about that. And uh, and again, we have strong people with great financial credentials like Dick Spidelli, uh, Rod Phillips, and Peter Bethlehem Falvey, um, who uh, who are very well regarded um, in the financial services sector. And I think we make a very strong team. So so thank you very much for that question. I get to highlight all of our team. Okay. Lisa McLeod, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks very much, Libby. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.